tells us that if you're not happy, you can just change your job and your relationship, start a hobby, have a baby, get a puppy or five. We are constantly facing change in the pursuit of happiness. And yet, deep down, we resist it so much because nobody teaches us how to navigate transitions. I am here to change that. Join me and my guests every week to find the inspiration and actionable steps to dive into your next great chapter. Let's write it together. Welcome, I'm Olga Nadal and you are listening to your next great chapter, the podcast to master life transitions with ease and courage. And today's show is sponsored by Divorce for Love. For those of you new to the show, I am the founder of Divorce for Love, where I educate, inspire and coach those going through possibly one of the most challenging transitions you may face in your life. If you are thinking about divorce or have started the process and are feeling lost, go and watch the masterclass I made for you on the five secrets you must know about divorce. These five secrets can save you a ton of money and sleepless nights. The link is in the notes, so head over there right after today's show. This week I have with me a very special guest and um, his name is Shiraz and he's the author of a fantastic book, How to Rewrite Reality. He sent it to me and I just can't put it down. He's got all these beautiful metaphors, all these unique approaches to how life, it's almost like a video game and he is going to talk to us today about his transformational journey and all the lessons he has learned. So Shiraz, thank you for being here and please let us know your story. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a fun story to go through. I guess sometimes during the story it didn't feel like fun, but now I can look back at it and see how everything works out. Someone was having fun while writing Someone it. Was having fun. Someone <laughs> was laughing at me during certain times. I get right. that but it started off having a wonderful life and then at the age of 22 getting rheumatoid arthritis. And that just shut everything down for me. I was actually a bodybuilder and now I couldn't work out. And I would spend three hours a day at the gym and all of a sudden that's just taken away from me. And I was studying molecular genetics. I dropped out of university and then just tried to cope with having a life like that where I could spend days or weeks in bed in pain and my muscles starting to atrophy, my joints deteriorating and thinking, okay, this is my life now. And there'd be periods where it goes into remission and I could do stuff and then it would just hit me straight on. I'd have to take days off work if I was working. And it went on for almost 20 years. So eventually though, I got to this point where I had a discussion with my dad and I said, look, there's gotta be something I can do to get rid of this. I've been coping with it, I've been managing it, but I wanna get rid of it. And he said, well, I've heard of a program called Combined Therapy that's available in India. And they've had successes with multiple illnesses. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird because those people usually say, oh, we, we specialize in cancer. We specialize in arthritis. We specialize in diabetes. And he's just like, no, multiple. And I'm like, okay, that sounds weird. But I said, well, if they've had results, let me go over there. So I hopped on a plane, went over to India. I booked a five-month stay. And it was actually only a two-week program, which was interesting the way it all worked out. And what happened was this guy talked to me for two weeks and went through my entire life. And it was really weird because as it was over in India and it was in the spiritual area, I expected him to be doing like energy healing, laying on of hands or something like to just to have something happen. But all he was talk to me. And then at the end of the two weeks, he sat me down and he says, okay, so this is what's going on. When you were a kid, your mom was really sick. And 
at eight years old, you decided you needed to take care of your mom. You needed to be responsible for it. Then you looked and you said, well, she'd be sick. She can't take care of your brother or sister. So you got to be responsible for them. And then you added your dad and then you added your cousins and then you added your friends. And you kept doing this until you had this belief running that you have to be responsible for everyone in your life. And that's what's going on with you right now. And I said, I'm not responsible for everyone. Like, I know I'm a responsible guy, but I'm not responsible for everyone in my life. And he goes, I know you don't believe that at a conscious level, but at an unconscious level, that's a program that's running. You have to be responsible for everyone in your life. And I said, okay, okay, let's say that's true. What does that have to do with having arthritis? And he said, well, you don't want to be responsible for everyone in your life. You just said that. I went, yeah. He goes, so if you're lying in bed in pain, you have a perfect excuse not to be responsible for anyone. It is the solution to a problem you don't even know you have. And I went, okay, that's messed up. <laughs> like, I was just telling like me taking that. the lead, right? And said, I'm going to yeah. this problem. <laughs> and yeah, so almost two decades of this and that, he's telling me this is what the problem is. And I said, okay, well, fine. Let's say that's the problem. Then all I have to do is say, I'm not going to be responsible for anyone but me. And the arthritis should just go away. And he's like, yeah, if you actually mean it and you're actually in that space, you're not going to be responsible for anyone but you, your arthritis will go away. I said, okay, fine. Not responsible for anyone except me. And I woke up the next morning and there was no pain, no inflammation. My mobility had increased. And I went, what the hell? (laughs) Up to this point, every day you will wake up in pain, except for the moments when you have remission. Wow. And yeah, and it was just gone. It left my body because the reason for it was gone. And it was just such a big, I wouldn't even say like, it was a big moment for me, but it still wasn't actually my turning point because in that moment, I'm like, I can move, I can do things. I'm going to go back to my career and do work and stuff. I wasn't thinking, Hey, wait, this is something bigger. <laughs> like, you, should, you should really examine this. And so at that point I'd actually switched over and I had a computer degree and I went back and I was doing contracting, working for companies and programming, project management. And Things went along for a while, but then I got to a point where I wasn't making any money. And it was really weird because I watched The Secret. And in The Secret, a lot of the things that the guy talked to me about in India, so I could see the correlation. And one of the beliefs that came up for me is that I formed the belief in high school with my friends that we're going to have six-figure salaries. And that seems on the surface like a really cool belief to have. But for me, six figure meant exactly $100,000, you know, six figures all the way up to (laughs) (laughs) $999,000. So once I broke the $100,000 mark, it was hard for me to make any more money than that. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to go to a seven figure. So I'm going to get rid of that belief and go to seven figures. And I signed up for different coaching programs and I was ready to do all of the shifting. And I went from six figures to zero figures for two years, absolutely zero income. (laughs) And I was just like, what's going on? I'm doing the right things. I'm doing coaching. I know I'm supposed to be shifting the police. Maybe they're not shifting. I don't know what's going on. And I actually even started coaching other people to see if they get results doing the things that I was learning. And they were all getting results. Okay, so it works. This stuff works. (laughs) Why isn't it working on? This just didn't make any sense. And so I finally got to the point where I was using a credit card to pay another credit card. You know how it gets when you have nothing left. I had $80,000 in debt. I had made that last payment so that there was no room on either credit card. And instead of going to this place of complete despair, which is where I thought I was going to go, I just said, oh, you know what? I have to stop panicking. I have to stop being in frustration. At this point, it just doesn't matter. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And I just went into this place of release. 
And so it's not like I just stopped doing things, but I let go of all the anxiety, all the fear, and, and just went into this openness, this space. And now I understand what the phrase let go and let God means. And two days later, I got offered a job for six figures. <laughs> and, and, and all of a sudden, I had money again. And I was like, and then I said, okay, so something happened there. I, I just learned another lesson, and that was on resistance. So I learned a lesson on the beliefs. I've learned a lesson on resistance and things like that started coming up and I started practicing these techniques and what I was learning on my friends. And eventually one of my friends said, you know, Shiraz, people will pay you to do this stuff for them. And I went, no, no, they won't pay me. I'm like, yeah. She goes, yeah, there are people that get paid a lot. And so I said, okay. And I said, I'm going to start charging and let's see if anyone pays me. And people just started putting money in my hands. And then I went, oh my God, this is a business and this is something I love to do. And this is where my life should be going. And I started the company Energetic Magic. The modality I use is the one I created based on everything I learned called Energetic Magic. And I've been helping people for six years now. Incredible story. Okay, okay. I need to rewind a few steps. First of all, <laughs> so if I'm understanding correctly, then there is the part about the beliefs, the subconscious and the conscious beliefs, just as important, if not one of them seems to be calling the shots a little bit more. But then yep. you also have to match that with the vibration of non-resistance. And that's why sometimes, and the secret, I think that's where a lot of people miss. You can have the affirmations, but if they are not being aligned with the reality of, I let go of the expectations, then it's not going to happen. Yes. And it's interesting because it is a very a delicate kind of balance you've got to get into because you've got to be in a space of this is going to happen in that you're sure it's going to happen. There's no doubt. And it's just going to happen. But you don't want to be in a space of this has to happen. I got to make this happen because it's just that's resistance there. Right. And a lot of people go into the second space. So yeah. and, and even when they're trying to, okay, I'm going to think happy thoughts. I'm going to get into good feelings. There's still that, oh, I have to do this. This has got to work. And it's really when you just, you know, what's going to happen. It's, it's the same thing as if, you know, you were holding something in your hand and you, you let go, you know, it's going to drop to the ground. There's no doubt. That's just what happens. It's what always happens. When you can do that with whatever goal you have, then that's what happens. But we have all these things going on in our brains. Well, it can't happen because of this. And what about this? I haven't accounted for this. That's what stops you. Because it's like almost our analytical mind just can't comprehend because it's like if you said to me, okay, Olga, what do you want to be? And I say, I want to be a bodybuilder. And you've been that. And then our analytical mind will come with all the steps and all the goals and all the things that I need to do. It's very hard for us to comprehend that maybe if I just sit and let it happen, it will happen. I think that's what people find the, the biggest resistance, that it just doesn't work like just, oh, come to me, attract it. It has to be like everything has to be in alignment. Yeah. And what will happen is when you're ready for it to show up, it'll show up in the easiest way possible. Now, the easiest way possible may involve a lot of work, but then it may not. And you just have to be open to however it wants to show up. When you try to control how it shows up, that's resistance again. And also when it may not feel as work, because right? work, again, has also a very negative connotation of hustle and you know, getting down to the grind. But when it becomes something that is creative, that you are putting your energy out there and it come back to you multiplied, then it doesn't feel like work. It feels like this is exciting. It's, it's shifting. Yeah, that's basically where my life is right now because I wouldn't say I work hard, but I'm often very busy. The strangest times, like there'll be times where I've, I've had a good day, I get into bed and I'm trying to get to sleep and I'm just not sleeping because there's something percolating. And then I get up and then I spend 11 p.m. to 4.30 a.m. just writing because this thing is in me and it just wants to come out. And other people would be like, oh my God, you worked through the night. I said, no, I didn't work. I just let out something that needed to be let out. 
and it felt amazing. <laughs> that is so fascinating because I feel the same. I, I used to, in my previous life, in my previous chapter, I used to own and run restaurants, which is the most stressful job and career that you can think of. And it was a lot of hassle. And in my idea of the world, you did have to work really hard. I had to be there when the restaurant opened until the restaurant closed and beyond. And now having completely shifted my beliefs, completely letting go, being in no resistance, understanding all the real laws of the universe and applying them. I find myself that I could be from 7.45 to 9 p.m., but it just doesn't feel like I'm running around, I'm stressed and trying to satisfy people. I am almost channeling what needs to be brought into this world and making it happen. And in, at the same time, having a really fun time, getting to meet people like you, like my clients, all my other coworkers. And it just doesn't feel like work anymore. Like, yes, I'll be sitting on my computer for some other people that maybe, you know, they're on a spreadsheet and it's sucking the energy out of them. For me, it's actually invigorating me. I'm connecting to a different sort of source, if, if you want to call it. And yeah, as soon as people start to learn that, their lives just get easier and easier and easier. One of the biggest misconceptions that's come out is the phrase, you have to work hard to succeed. The reason it was created is because there were all these lazy people and they're like, why isn't money coming to me? And you say, well, what did you do today? Well, I played video games for six hours. Well, that's why you're not working. <laughs> that was the intention of you have to work hard to succeed. You have to be willing to put in the hours. You have to do but the phrase, you have to work hard to succeed, implicitly says that if you're not working hard, you can't have success. So you can't take time off. You can't go on vacation. You can't get sick. As soon as you can't even retire, because as soon as you stop working hard, you can't succeed. Right? And mm -hmm. the other one that's close, you have to work hard to make money. So you can't take a break. You've always got to be working hard. But when you get out of that have to and just have working hard is one way, right? Working easily is another way. And you can take anything along the spectrum. Then sometimes I like to say, to my clients, sometimes I'm working my ass off, sometimes I'm sitting on my ass, but the money's still showing up. <laughs> <Right? So. laughs> yeah, but I have a question for you. When people are doing this work, this is something that sometimes also gets misunderstood. That to me is the real work, it's the inner work. That's where mm -hmm. I put all my effort, if needed, because I think that changing beliefs, identifying beliefs, being aware of them, and then shifting them, it's hard work. <laughs> and again, I just talk about the restaurant business, nothing like that because you really have to be willing to take a deep look and as much as i think that we are divine beings we also have a very human side that plays tricks on us and in your case it had you in pain it had you drain of energy for a long time and it was just those beliefs but it takes you having the willingness to go all the way to india listen to a man for two weeks and then go okay i'm gonna change it so when we're doing this kind of work i see that sometimes we take a detour and we go back into our always and those beliefs that we think that we are changing and all that reprogramming sometimes feel like they are viruses and that come and attack us again like into our hardware um, how do you help your people to keep on track and take this as what they are just a little bump but then keep moving along the journey this is the big thing is because people even if they create a huge change that's beneficial they like to go where they're comfortable and comfortable where is where they used to be <laughs> it's familiar. It's safe. It may suck, but it's comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so when I work with people, I get people enrolled in my monthly magic program. And it's every month stuff comes out to shift you. You get weekly emails, you get monthly coaching calls, you get insights, there's videos to watch. And so it keeps you in that new space and keeps you moving forward because you need to be hit over and over again until the new space becomes your new normal. 
and you're comfortable in it and you're like, okay, here we are. And then you got to change it again and move into that new space and make that comfortable. And then you keep doing that. And eventually if you keep doing it, it's only when you're sitting still that you don't feel comfortable. As long as you're changing and getting better and that becomes the comfort zone. But for most people, it's just like right here, this is comfortable. I don't want to change it. You're telling me I could make five times as much money or have six times as much success, but I don't know what that feels like. So I'm going to stay right here. And two biggest things I've found with people shifting and then shifting back. Number one is they get uncomfortable, as I said. But number two is that the people around you get uncomfortable with the new you. And it's not necessarily that they don't like it. They're just not used to it. So they get uncomfortable. So in order to make everyone comfortable, you undo everything. No one wins, but everyone's comfortable. I work with women primarily going through their divorce and I try to make them identify their unhappy place. And I said, very often we find this place that it may just be horrible. I mean, I've heard the most horrendous stories of abuse and yet it's their unhappy place and they want to stay there because the only part that is relevant on that sentence is it belongs to them. It's something. And like what you were saying at the beginning, letting go again, quite the task, learning to really, truly letting go of everything and start something with a blank slate. Consciously, it seems like a very exciting thing to do, but subconsciously, we have so much resistance because yes, we crave comfort, we crave security. If the world in the last few months has taught us anything is that there is no such thing, yet our deep insights still want to hold on to that. So how do you assist people to at least start the letting go process? When I talk to people, we start looking at what the possibilities are when you let go. And especially what is the advantage to staying? Because when you really start to examine the advantage of staying, you go, oh, that's awful. Like, why am I holding on to that? (laughs) So I've seen people that are staying where they are because they said, well, if I change, then my spouse will get upset with me or this will make these people unhappy. I don't want to make those people unhappy by not doing what they expect of me. That's a big one, doing what people expect of you, right? I don't want to disappoint them. And, and I look at them and I go, are they happy now? And they think about it and go, no. So they're not happy. <laughs> what difference does it make? <laughs> Help them get out of their happiness as well. Um, yeah. We're all sort of stuck in this boiling pot and nobody chooses to get out because we think that the other one is comfortable and we're all in there sweating and going, somebody get us out of here. Yeah. And this is the thing, because when you change and you grow, Some people are going to be in resistance to that because you're going against their beliefs and you're invalidating their reason to stay small. And so you have to deal with that. You may have to let those people go. And that's a big problem is people don't want to let some of those people go because they might be family, right? But they're holding you back. But there's also these people that are going to see what you're doing and they're like, I want to do that. I didn't think I could do that. But now that you're doing it and you're inspiring all these people. And so by staying exactly where you are, you're missing that opportunity to inspire all these other people in order to keep the people that don't want to change happy. And, and technically, it's not even happy. They're not happy. They're just comfortable. And that's one of the biggest reasons people actually get it and start to change and say, okay, I can see that. Because who doesn't want to be a source of inspiration to other people? And have you also found that with my women, when that's a big resistance, like I'm going to lose my safety, I'm not just going to lose my husband and maybe my children and my home and all that, but I'm also going to lose my friends and my support system. And what I find, and I try to explain this, but it's very hard to understand when you're at the beginning of it, is that you will lose some, but you will gain so many more. And 
I think that it's a combination of where the world's consciousness is. There are people who are rising up at the same level, but then there is also the technology that we have in our hands right now to really find people from everywhere in the world. So it's not like before, I think that we were very geographically static and we had to be whoever was in our circle, our family, our neighbors, and our coworkers. Nowadays, if I want to find my like-minded people, I just have to sign up for your program. And in your program, there will be all these other people who want to break through the six-figure uh, ceiling. They want to let go of resistance. They want to improve. That will be my tribe. And again, if the world has shown us, these kind of relationships through Zoom, through podcasts, through, they're just as nourishing and as powerful as the in-person relationship. So I always say, again, let go of that resistance of I'm only going to lose. You have such an immense tribe out there waiting to embrace you. Yeah. And the thing that I think drives home the point for a lot of people, especially when it comes to relationships, is we measure relationships based on our past experiences. So if you imagine the best relationship you've had and you say, okay, that's a 10 out of 10 relationship. But then I say, but that's based on what you know. And so you're trying to hold on to these relationships because some of them you consider 10, even though it doesn't feel great, they feel like a 10. You don't want to lose a 10. And so some of them are five, some of them are two. You're willing to let go of the two. But what if your idea of a 10 out of 10 is the universe's idea of a two out of 10? And because you don't want to let go of the 10 that you think, you'll never experience an actual 10. And that makes people go, oh, wait. <laughs> what? So true. And, and you're absolutely right. When it comes to relationships, the settling gets out of hand. We just come up with this. I, I think that we've lowered the standard to the point of if he or she doesn't hit me, abuse me emotionally, is an alcoholic or a narcissist, we're good. And I'm always like, no, 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 let's, let's go back to the drawing board. Let's imagine what will make you wake up alive, what will make you be excited about that relationship. Don't just exist and keep it to the bare minimum because when I was leaving my marriage, pretty much all of my friends were like, you're crazy, he's the best man. And I said, he's a great man, he's the best man for the older version of me. But right now, I want a different man. And that was gonna be my new 10. And I went out there and just like that was found because again, once you get into alignment, I think that once you let go of the resistance, things will be attracted to you. The law of attraction will really work. Yes. Um, have you seen examples with your clients, I know in your own life, that there were beliefs that they were really attached to and then they were able to let go? What are those beliefs that are almost a pattern that everybody's attached to? And once they let go, it's like magic happens. There's so many that are out there. Like I said, there's, you have to work hard to succeed. With the women, all the good ones are taken. Is <laughs> one I keep hearing over and over again. Okay, you have to tell them because that's what I started saying. Don't worry, they're getting divorced. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be available. I'm working on that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it you know when you have beliefs about what relationships are like, you're gonna just have those same relationships over and over again. Mm -hmm. And when you decide to step out of the belief, then all these opportunities come. So what I do mostly is get rid of the limiting beliefs to open up more and more possibilities. So I do less of believe this specific thing as opposed to stop believing this so that anything can happen. Because oftentimes I find if you're trying to focus on this has to be the belief, you can get into that resistance. Like it's got to work quick. It's got to this work. And yeah, so as soon as you start, I'm trying to think of other common beliefs that are out there. 
there's so many of my brains trying to give them all to me at once. It's just pretty funny. I'm remembering the one that you have in the book about going to the single dates event and you're talking to a woman and she's like, there is not enough men. There is more women available than men. And you were sitting at a table all full of men and you were like, look around, you have these three other men. And she was like, what? Oh, maybe my whole belief is bullshit and it's being recreated <laughs> right here. <laughs> and it was so funny to watch her because she was so focused on me and not the other men that when she noticed there were other men at the table, it's like her brain broke <laughs> because because her belief just got smashed in that second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I've seen that because her thing was there's never enough men. And so she unconsciously goes to events where there's more women. So she can say that there's not enough men or she'll go to an event where all the men are married. So they're all unavailable. So there's never enough men. And she just keeps creating that reality over and over again. She doesn't realize she's doing it. She's just like, no, look, it's true. Look at all the evidence. But there was an event over here where it's all men, you didn't go to it. (laughs) Your reality was completely different in that event, but this is how you make your choices. Have you seen that video? I'm sure that you can find it on YouTube where they ask you to look at the basketball players and some of them have white shirts, the other ones have black shirts. And they're like, okay, you gotta count how many times they pass the ball for the white one. So everybody's looking at that. When they stop the video, they go, okay, who saw the bear? And he was like, there was no bear. And then they replay the video and there's actually a bear walking through as they're throwing the ball. And we cannot see it because we're so focused on counting the balls. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Like you're so focused on there is not enough money. I am not good enough. My parents didn't love me. Women are competitive. There's so many that you're not seeing. Flip the coin, try and see the reality and see what happens. You just reminded me of one big thing that comes in. It covers a bunch of beliefs, but it's, being able to show people, show people you're good enough, show people you're pretty enough, show people you're smart enough, then it all becomes about everyone else having the power over your life and not you having the power of your life. So when you can love yourself and feel you're pretty and feel you're successful, feel you're smart without anyone else validating it, then you're truly empowered there. And then that belief spreads out and hits everyone else. But if there's so many people out there, well, I've got to show my parents, I've got to show my spouse, I've got to show my friends. I'm like, no, you don't. You don't have to show anyone. Do what you love, enjoy what you love, and just let it go from there. And that will ultimately be the peace and the harmony that we're all after. Because all these things that we say, we need the money, we need the love, we need the... I mean, except for health, to me, that's the only one that, yes, we do need that one. Everything else is just almost inconsequential. You can have a little or a lot of it, If you're happy and healthy inside, you're good to go. Yeah. And then the other thing is being liked by everyone, Mm. right? This is the big thing when people try to put up books. I've seen this happen over again with authors. They keep delaying the launch of the book. They keep trying to change the book. And I'm like, and I get down to that belief, well, what's going on? Well, what if it gets bad reviews? (laughs) Well, yeah, what if it gets great reviews? But just the chance that it could get a bad review, that people would not like your work, or you, or something that it just stalls everyone. They small, they stay invisible. And you have to be willing to let people hate your guts. Because like I said before, with when you're growing and some people don't like the way you're changing and some people get inspired by it, if you've got something to put out, are you going to deny all the people that are entertained or inspired or educated by you that opportunity because you're afraid some people won't like you? Mm-hmm. That was a huge limiting belief for me when I started working on divorce coaching. First of all, I was like, every time I told somebody that I was training to be a divorce coach, they literally laugh on my face. They'll be like, what is that? So I had to explain it to people and I felt very ridiculed really and attacked. And I was like, okay, whatever. I, I know that it had been such a strong 
foothold for me while I was going through my divorce that I was like, I need to do this and show it to the world. And then when I was ready to start sharing my work with the world, I was terrified of people attacking me online and trolls saying, you know, what are you doing? You know, what I call the marriage supremacist. And I was terrified for the longest time. I didn't want to put my voice out there. I didn't want to show my face. I didn't want anything until I started putting little snippets out there. My clients were like, please, the world needs to see what you're saying and hear your perspective. Even if anything, they can agree or disagree, but at least I know that there are people that need to hear my message. And getting past that and then putting it out into the world. And yes, they were the ones that complained, but the people that are helping, those are the ones that I focus on. I just couldn't care less about the criticism or anything else. It's about we're here to walk each other home. So whatever you can do to guide the way, then, then let it be. I think that your book is amazing in that respect. Could you tell us a little bit about your book before we go? Okay. So it is literally on how to rewrite reality around you. And I put everything in story format. So we talk about the genres you could be in from the lowest frequency, to the highest frequency, which are tragedy, horror, drama, documentary, action adventure, comedy, and prophecy. And I go into how to work with resistance and get out of resistance. And there's story after story after story of what's happened in my life, what's happened in clients that have come to my workshops and how they've just changed their reality by changing one or more beliefs. And oftentimes there's this one specific belief that when you change it, if that's that linchpin that's holding everything together and your whole world just changes. So it's going to give you tips and tricks to get through that. And actually, my book is on sale this month on Amazon, $1 for the ebook, and I think it's $5.50 for the paperback until I think the release date was the 22nd. So you've got till then to get it. And then it goes back to its normal price, which is like 20 US. So then go and get it because it's totally worth it. As I was reading it, I kept feeling like, okay, here I am. I have some beliefs that are pressing the accelerator pretty hard. And that's why my life is moving forward. But I have some, a few that are putting some pressure on the brakes. And as I was reading your stories and like the example that I said about the woman that could only see the, the negative, it's almost like my foot is coming off the brakes and it's like, okay, okay. So the momentum of the accelerator is going to hit so much faster. So I strongly recommend everybody to get a copy Strongly recommend everybody to go and check out your work. Where can everybody find you for your mastermind and your groups? My company, my website, Energetic Magic, energeticmagic.com. So you can just look it up there. And you can also go to shirazshifts.com. And on there, you have access to my social media accounts, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and you can check out stuff there. You can On YouTube, you can find video sessions that I've done with people and you'll see them get shifted in as little as five minutes. Everybody go and find him. I'm also going to put it on the show notes. And I just have a couple of questions before we go, which is, first of all, I know that you're enjoying this beautiful chapter of your life, but where do you see the next chapter? What is in that one? Right now, my monthly magic program is taking off and I want it not to just be me. I'm training up other coaches because everything I do, it's not a gift. This is all learnable. So I want to bring in more coaches and just have this expand and really just sort of build this empire where people are creating whatever reality they want. I think that's the way the world should be rather than feel you're a victim to the reality that's out there. And I want to have, I actually, on a completely different thing, I'm writing a fantasy novel and I would like to get a trilogy out and have that made into movies. That's another. Love it. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's fantastic. And then where do you see the world going? What do you think is the next chapter for the world? 
the next chapter for the world, the world's going to be messed up for a little while, <laughs> but <laughs> it's not, not it's a bad thing. This is growing pains. We're coming into a new era. People are becoming more aware. There's a bunch of people that are like, I say a bunch of millions and millions of people that are asleep. And this is the opportunity for them to start waking up and getting into a new space. So I see there's going to be some turbulence for a little while, but ultimately we're evolving into this wonderful, amazing place. And you just have to sit back and monitor your reality, stay in a good place while everyone's going through whatever they're going through and see what happens when we come out of it. It's going to be great. I'm going to put my intention, that energetic magic to that vision, because it's exactly the same one that I'm having. I keep on saying we're going through labor and uh, we're contracting, we're expanding. It's a bit of a shit show, but hopefully <laughs> we'll get an epidural soon and we'll be able to... <laughs> to give birth to the new earth. So thank you so much for being with us today, Shiraz. You're an inspiration. I love your story. And for everybody, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Shiraz. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. See you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe and review my podcast because I love hearing from you. You can also follow me on Instagram at Divorce for Love and join our Facebook group in the show notes.